0: Come
1: on. How are we sounded?
0: Usually, uh, no. I can hear, yeah. but people can't hear me. So okay, you just let me know.
1: All right. Well, we're hooked up, and I just want to let you know um, before we hit record, Dan Osterman. Um, he's uh, a partner in crime. He's my tech guy and brand manager. He's helping me with a lot of stuff because um, I'm an idiot, and I can I can turn on a phone and call you. That's about all I got, skill set wise. You ready to go
0: That's not bad uh, uh, yeah I'm ready to go
1: all right. this will be fun. this sounds uh, the the sound quality you have on your end just sounds super cool, like I've got you on a radio show. All right, let's roll. I'm in a It's right. great. It sounds fun. say when all right uh thank you to all of my return listeners um to, and welcome to the episode two of The Way Bobby Hears It. And thanks for all who listened the first time around. And I want to welcome everybody who is listening in for the first time. I'm very fortunate to have another amazing individual who's played a, a huge role in my life as, again, another mentor, and example of just living with character, strength, and courage, and just being a leader in what he does. It's the one and only Mr. Kyle Strait. Uh, but before we get to Kyle... I need to do a little business and remind all who are tuning in that this is, um, like every episode of The Way Bobby Hears It, it will contain adult language and uh, subject matter and that the opinions and thoughts shared are those of me and myself. Um, so uh, moving on, we're, uh, just so you know, Kyle, I'm using, an audience, I'm using a magnifier to try to get through my notes. Um, but lastly, before oh. I get to, <laughs> yeah, so it's a big, giant, it's funny, I'm putting snail trails all over my notes. So good visual, I'm sure, pal. Uh, lastly, I need to send out a bunch of high fives and thanks to the longtime sponsors that I've had who have gotten me through thick and thin and make this show possible. Santa Cruz Bicycles, Cali Protectives, WTB, Lazine, Crank Brothers, Cliff, and of course, Alchemy 22, the one and only Dan Osterman. All right, and uh, before we get started, got to thank you, Mr. Kyle Strait, for spending the time and making this episode happen. So are uh, we ready? Let's get to it.
0: Yeah, no stoked, man, and thanks for having me. Oh. Like, uh, it's, I, I got that text from you, and I was like, dude, that sounds awesome. I'm, I'm in. So I'm stoked to be uh, chatting with you guys, and thanks for inviting me.
1: Well, usually you're, uh, we're at Otter at, at some point, and I can prepare myself because I know I'm going to run into you. Um, it's just a matter of how physically run into you or, uh, I'll be roaming the halls of sea otter on my own, trying to find my way around. And then somebody creeps up behind me and it's like, dude, quit looking at my wife or something crazy. And I could prepare myself a thousand times over and you will still grab me by the balls and scare the shit out of me. So (laughs) (laughs) it happens all the time.
0: I've, I've Honestly, every Seattle, that's like kinda of my favorite thing is like, I search for you and I'm like, you know, whether it's going to practice or going to a poster signing or whatever it is, like I'm like looking and I always got a second just to be like, Oh shit, there he is. And I'll up well, behind you. And it's kinda of messed up, it's, but it's kinda of like it's, I think it's funny the way you take it.
1: It is not messed up. It's it's all about the love, my my friend. But that's kinda of part of who you are, the character you you are is that you know, you and your good friend, uh, Cam Zink, you guys always take the time for me, wherever we're at. It's, it could be, you know, across the the foyer at Crank Brothers. Um, it could be at Sea Otter, and you guys always come up and rattle me a little bit. And you know what? I'm old and salty, and I need, need to be rattled. So, uh, you know, diving uh, into this. They like salt, man. <laughs> I'm just a salty old dude. So, you know, we talked a few minutes or, uh, ago about uh, our legacy together, our legacy. You've certainly got a legacy going, but I think we, we, we both re, uh, agree that we met in, 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 in and around 2006 at Crankworks, whether it was in a bar, that wouldn't be a surprise, or somewhere out on the hill. And uh, since that time, 2006, uh, yeah, I'm a lot older, a lot grayer, and yeah, my face does look like a catcher's mitt. You've just gotten more handsome. You're just as rad doing absolutely, wow, unimaginable and undescribable things in the bike world. But uh, I just remember one instance of being in a bar with you and the entire posse of the New World Disorder crew. You know, uh, I think you were there with Cam, Robbie Bourdain, um, Darren Bearcloth, and it was crowded. And somehow we bumped into each other and there was no room and you made room in a bar for me <laughs> and we knocked a few back. Um,
0: well, I think I remember, I remember seeing you and I was like, Oh shit. Oh, there's blind Bob Bobby. I was like, hell yeah. Let's, let's party together. And I remember looking at you and you're, you know, you're of course being in the basement and there's never any room, you know, and anytime you go downstairs and whistle, you're like, okay, you're in for it. But I remember there were so many spilled drinks on you. Whether it was your yours yourself or from everyone else just bumping into you, and I was like, dude, we need some fucking room. And so I, <laughs> I found one spot at the bar, and then I just kind of like m- muscled my ra- way around and kind of made spot for us. And then I think I remember us sitting there forever and and talking shit and and looking at chicks and like, oh, dude, <laughs> check that one out. Like, remember that? Well,
1: and then you'd back, you'd go, oh, dude, I'm, I'm, you'd apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry, you couldn't see that, but remember, it's. Bobby, it sucks to be you, or Bobby, we wish we were you, one way you want to look at it. And I do remember that, yeah. making space, because some clown muscled up on me from behind and was like shinning me towards you, and you stepped in between us and put a roadblock and the fear of God in that guy. He, t- I, I remember <laughs> like, you, you laughing, and I'm like, dude, what happened? Kyle, thanks so much. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, he's I think going up the stairs right now, out of here. Um, Oh, that's funny! You make my stomach hurt.
0: You always talk about the funny.
1: I just—it's remarkable to be on the on the phone here with you. Thank you again for the time. And I just—you know—from that that moment in 2006, you took some 40-something fanboy under your under your <laughs> wing, and a large wingspan it is. And God, here we are. Um, you know, I I, I the the. It's funny yeah step in yeah. anytime Kyle. Hey. Kyle this is yours
0: yeah yeah so so it's funny that like you know you're you're calling yourself a fanboy which is it's it's fun it's funny but you know like i I knew exactly who you were at that time and and I remember hearing about you maybe the year before or, or sometime earlier that year before we met and and like thinking I was like hearing about you and I'm like wait how does he ride like you know and I had you know some of my NorCal friends explain it to me and stuff, and that day we were at the post-officer jumps and we tried to like emulate what you did. And we're like, you know, start on the like the bottom of this landing on a, on a landing into a berm that we've ridden, you know, a thousand times before and would close our eyes and have our buddies communicate when we need to turn, when we need to break and stuff like that. And None of us could really do it. And we, every time we, we thought we were doing something, we were close to the berm. We were like, you know, 10 feet before it. So it was like, You know, us trying to, like, understand how how you you work and how you rode and stuff like that. So we were already fans of you, so it was like, you know, an equal kind of fanboy situation when we (laughs) met, but it was uh, was cool and it was an honor.
1: Well, the first time I became aware of you is that, you know, I kind of got deep into bikes in 2004, you know, after my second transplant, it makes complete sense to have a couple of transplants and then turn into a, basically, a downhill mountain biker, but I, you know, would um yeah. you know, I see a little bit. So I would take a chair and I put it in front of the biggest screen I could and I would watch the new World Disorder movies. And I would put my nose on that screen and I would frame by frame that shit. Hours of watching yeah. those things. And I I caught the most amazing clip of you, and I believe you were fourteen or fifteen when this particular one came out. And you were you were um riding with uh Robbie uh, Bordon. I don't want to piss Robbie off is, yeah. is that how I pronounce it? Is it Borden or Borden?
0: Bo- Borden, yeah
1: Borden um, and yeah. That guy's amazing too uh, But uh, You guys were doing stuff and there was some point Where there was a stop in the action And it gave this headshot of you And dude, you were rocking puka shells <laughs> Puka shells <laughs> I brought it
0: with
1: you too I'm wow, Where did that come from? I never wore puka shells, and I'm old enough to be your grandpa.
0: Well, it, it I think it has to do with like, you know, uh, '90s motocross. You know, because like, as a mountain biker, we looked up to, you know, like BMX. We looked up to moto supercross guys, like all that. So, you know, I, I didn't really understand, but at the same time, it was like, you know, I was a a young young teen, which all my heroes were kind of like you know, stars in the nineties, whether it was Sean Palmer, Kurt Voorhees, uh, Jeremy McGrath, like dudes like that. So like I looked up to those dudes and those dudes either had bleached hair, (laughs) blue hair, yellow hair, spikes or whatever. And so I basically was like, well, that's me. I want to be like that. And so, I mean, a lot of that's where that comes in. I see some of the Groms nowadays, in mountain biking and pre-ride stuff, they're all just bleaching the hair. And I think it's, it's funny. It's kind of coming back around and they're like, why don't you bleach yours? I'm like, dude, I've already done that. I've been there. <laughs> so it's kind of funny, but it's funny to look back and see, you know, styles or what, what you were trying or what, you know, just the bullshit that we thought was sweet as a kid.
1: It was sweet. Trust me. And I, I just, <laughs> uh, great to see, like, I mean, you had this blue Oakley Jersey on and, uh, you know, Oakley, one of your partners yeah. for many, many years. And this, I mean, Puka shells, and I went. I like that kid. Um, you know, at, you know, talking about some of your our, your our history, and you know, one of the things I was very impressed by is years ago I met your dad at uh, one of the interbike shows, and you guys were close, man. And I liked your dad. He was he. I I knew where he came from. Um, you know, I think I you know I told him You you've got a great kid. And uh, how is he? How's Dad He's doing, doing all
0: right, man? He's had some uh, some health problems recent in the past couple of years, but he's doing all right. Doing a little better. He's still a general contractor in Redlands, where I grew up. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a kid, like you know, I, I grew up in in a racing family. So like my dad raced motorcycles, uh, desert, uh, from when he was 15 and into his 20s, and then he uh, got into off road car racing for a long time. Um, you know, through like the 80s and 90s, and then as like, uh, mid nineties or early to mid nineties, I think it was like 93 or something like that. My mom started racing. My dad passed wow. the torch on my mom. My mom wow. was off-road cars through the nineties. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so we, you know, I grew up, you know, going to, uh, off-road races throughout everywhere. So I thought I was going to ride motorcycles and race supercross and do all that stuff because that's what I watched on TV and you know, besides Monster Jam, of course, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I grew up watching motorcycles and off-road cars and all that, And, and I was like, all right, you know, like I thought every Christmas and birthday, I was going to get a, a Z50 and I was like, <laughs> well, I'm I'm still waiting, you know, I was still waiting for that Z50, but my, so like I say, yeah, my mom raced, uh, to about the mid to late nineties, um, off-road and then there was kind of a break for a while. And then, you know, I'd ride my bicycle. I got a, a mountain bike, a little 24 inch hardtail. I think it was a specialized rock hopper, um, for Christmas one year. And then I, I rode that, I I rode that thing everywhere and, um, kind of just started riding bikes and I was like, okay, I'll ride this until you guys get me my motorcycle. And that never ended up happening, but (laughs) until, until I was like 15 when I bought my own, but it's, it's funny. And then that kind of just, you know, I mean, from my dad being in the racing, background he you know whether it was sponsorship or what you need to do to to be driven or anything like that he just kind of was like put me in the right places you know he's like hey do you want to do this kept me busy like hey try this try this and you know I mean I guess that's that's how I am where where I am today is because of that so um yeah I mean there's lots of history for sure
1: oh I bet I bet it's interesting when you refer to yourself as a kid Riding, you know, bikes. Yeah. Did you make great noises? Because to this day, I'm back there going, "Rap, rap, rap." I mean, you know, I I can imagine you ripping around your neighborhood, sending yeah. it just with the.
0: Well, especially yeah, especially because I wanted I wanted a motorcycle. I wanted to be a moto kid. I thought I was, you know. And I was like making sounds and doing jumps, and you know, as my dad being a construction worker, mm-hmm. you know, you jump off, you can only jump off curbs for so long, and he's like, "All right," my like, dad, I need a big jump, and so he would just make like. With scrap wood, you know the from jobs he would just make jumps for me and and so on, and I just kept jumping and I'd break shit and crash or whatever, and then then I would get better and better and then have the neighbor kids come over, and then I would see what was going wrong. And I learned from an early age, I' like, "Oh, okay, this is how you do it. Like that's not the way to do it.
1: <laughs> did you build any sick jumps in the middle of the street, like all of us did as as groms? you know oh, yeah. the, the wood ramps send it to flat was born. Hey
0: exactly. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why it's always like the first go to send it to Flat. <laughs> it is.
1: We just don't never knew any better. Now uh like other uh, <laughs> Um Other family. Do you have any other siblings
0: or um... yeah, yeah for sure. My sister's four years younger than me. Okay. She uh she went to all the races as, as a kid, you know, that was kind of like a family thing. Like we go to races and she didn't really pick up any sports. Um, you know, tried a bunch of different things and unfortunately she's not the most coordinated, but she's like the most book smart. Like she got all the smarts out of the straights, right? Like (laughs) between all of us, she's like super book smart. Um, you know, she's doing really well now and, and, uh, you know, she goes down, she still enjoys for a while. Actually, she was racing. Let's see. I think it was like 2012 or no, it might've been 2014. She actually my dad got a race car again, and it was raced in oh, a couple nice. races um in the desert and it was it was like a father daughter team, which was cool, so they did that for a couple of years and that was super cool and and uh now she's uh she lives in Orange county, and she's doing really well oh, we actually went to the bottom one thousand together uh last November it was really fun wow. good experience uh, yeah, so we went and watched the race and you know camped and hung around Mexico oh,
1: that is great. Are you seeing Baja in your future pulling a throttle
0: oh dude I mean i I've been on even just uh recently i've went let's see three three or four times last year um whether it was a little bit of mountain bike and moto or just moto itself um you know I'm still learning all of that and learning all these different trails down there but I enjoy it i mean i i i uh I have a lot of fun with it. I'm, I'm still not, definitely not a very good moto rider, but, you know, I still enjoy it. But I don't know. Who knows? You never know. I mean, I'm still waiting for a call from one of these guys, like Justin Loft or something like that. Like, hey, man, get in the truck with me. <laughs> I'm uh, still waiting for one of those calls. Well,
1: I'll tell you what, you get a truck and I'll be your co-pilot. <laughs> now, that's a scary oh, proposition. <laughs> or, no, I'll drive <laughs> and you guide.
0: That, that might be better.
1: <laughs> hey, now, I got to ask. I mean, like I said, you... You came yeah. into this, uh, in, you know, this sport at a, at a high level. You burst on the scene with the help of, you know, the media, um, and at the time, the New World Disorders was was kind of the bar that, and you know, uh, Bjorn Inga's cranked series. But what were you like in school? I mean, you were doing rad shit in exotic places when you were an age of a freshman. I mean, fourteen,
0: fifteen, right? For sure. I mean, um, I was actually a really good student till all the way through middle school um, until basically a freshman when I started traveling a lot more. <laughs> um, and I had a couple of teachers that were really cool and they would give me like, hey, I'm leaving from this time to this time. And a couple of teachers would be like, OK, well, that's great. Like, where are you going to go? And I tell them where I'm going to go. And um, they would give me the, the schoolwork beforehand and I would come back and I'd be all caught up like all A's and B's in those classes. And there's other teachers were they thought I was just like a, you know, like a little punk dropout <laughs> and they would be like, Hey, you got to catch up when you come back. And I'd be gone for a month. And sometimes it'd be the first month of school, you know, the way the schedule works. Sure. But, um, so it was, it was tough. I mean, uh, so I, I basically struggled through until about middle of 10th grade. Um, and then obviously my traveling just got more and more, um, and, you know, for race events and stuff like that. But uh, so about middle of 10th grade was, I started doing independent study where I would visit a teacher for an hour every Monday, um, if I was home and they would give me the work and I got all caught up until 12th grade until, until basically graduating. I was supposed to graduate on time. And then I, this is actually a super funny story. Like where are and zinc always like harsh me on because, I was doing like full travel and, and Sage was kind of just still, you know, doing, <laughs> he, he graduated, then graduated. And I was in Austria. Um, so it was like right after one of the world cups, it was, I think it was called saw like a free ride contest. And all I had to do is send in one book report and I'm like going through this little tiny town in Austria, like where the Concha contest is. And all I had to do is like fax in or email or scan, or whatever, get it in before, like, the date of graduating. And I was like, I got it. I had the book report done. Like, all of it was all done. It was like, you know, one of those extracurricular classes where it didn't even really matter. (laughs) And I was like, all right, cool. So I'm searching the town for a fax machine or a scanner with with internet and email, and I could not find any one of those. And I was like, well, looks like I'm not graduating. And so I didn't graduate (laughs) until about a year and a half later, um, when Red Bull was like, "Hey, man, you Kyle, you really need to graduate." I was like, "All right, fine." Red so Bull I went back to provide. To oh my god! Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't think
1: that, right? Yeah. So
0: Red Bull was like, "Hey, you got it. You got to graduate." I was like, "All right, fine." So I enrolled in adult school and I went there for a week and graduated in the week. Um, and it was funny because I never, I never was like the book kid. You know, I couldn't right. pay attention to things that I didn't really care about. And when I went to adult school, it was the funniest because I literally. I I was like, wait a minute, am I missing something? I was like, the first done with my test, and I was like, I don't understand. Am I the smart kid? All of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. And so it's like a full confusion. Like I was like, what the hell's going on? Like so, you know, it was it was a it was a funny thing. You know, got that done, but it was it was definitely hard. You know, when with some teachers when I was in regular school that they didn't understand and they didn't care, and they're like, well, he's just a dropout. He's a bad kid, and then. Um, you know, I kind of got lucky with a couple teachers, but, you know, some of it was hard, but it was, uh, obviously you get through high school and, you know, now have all this world experience of traveling and that's you know, an education. Doing- huh? like that. that's, yeah,
1: that's an education sure. in itself. And
0: gosh, I it
1: just, I, you grew up, um, I mean, you were racing DH and, and slalom, I believe at, at the world cup level, um, and I think one year, I just got to make mention, or, I mean, you, you did, you raced a World Cup schedule and you also competed in slope style at the same time in, in one year, I think, yeah, or two for years. Yeah, sure. um,
0: No, yeah, it's, it basically from when I was, you know, I, I raced, uh, I started racing World Cups because, I mean, a lot of it has to do with um, sponsorships, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, at that time, sponsors were like okay well what are your race results they are like well i have these race results they didn't really care or know that much about um free ride stuff right so whether if you're in a an edit or anything like that like or you know in neural disorder like oh, okay that's cool and some sponsors would understand it but they still really based all especially frame manufacturers they based all of their things off of race results so we you know like myself and zinc even zinc raced a bunch of world cups I and down the races and Norbas and stuff like that huh. so yeah i mean from when i was 16 i think my first world cup was 16 and you know, just did every event we possibly could you know because there was you had to i mean and, and we were bored we we're like hey, let's go here let's go here and a lot of the free ride contests were you know in between a world cup in europe so we'd make a month trip out of or we'd make a month trip um to go to one world cup and then we do a free ride event. And then the next week would be a world cup. And then we do another free ride event and then we go to Whistler, do that. And then we'd film here. And then, so we were always super busy. And, you know, I mean, a lot of parts for me is, uh, I raced and free road because, um, I got tired of it. You know, like I would get tired of one thing, whether it was racing or free ride, you know, so for racing, I'd be like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of sitting in Europe and eating bread and cheese and, (laughs) You know, only doing, you know, it's hard because there's minimal, you know, you get a practice and then you're done for the day and then you just sit around Yeah. and then there's another practice and then you sit around and then you race and then you travel to the next event and then there's like three days of nothing and then you do practice. So there's like minimal riding and then I'll get tired of doing that. So then I go to free ride contests and they Oh sick. All right. I get to practice whenever I want. And, you know, like I'm tired of racing the clock and then I do a judged event and then I do those for a while. and be like, you know what? I'm getting pissed off with these judges. I don't want to go racing. So I would just kind of go back and forth between all of them. You know, I did that until, so yeah, I think my last World Cup was 2010. Okay. So my first one would have been probably 2003 or four. Wow. And then 2010 was my last one.
1: But, I, it just, uh, yeah, it wow. I It's that you are bouncing. I, I, it's amazing that to have the ability I mean you were poding poding at that time you were you were you were podying. I can't even say the word you were up on the podium in slope style events and I think you finished in top 10s and 20s in the world cup at, at in a couple events that level yeah, as, is as
0: a, as a junior I was able to get multiple top 20s in pro cuz we didn't at that time we didn't have a junior class in world cups um, I got fourth fourth at worlds and junior and then i got a podium at worlds and junior and then um a few top 20s i wasn't able to crack the top 10 in pro i got 11th one year in the so that was that was like my claim to fame for world cups but um i mean at the same time yeah with all the and of course you know he's do rampage and mm-hmm. crankworks events and at the time whistler was you know obviously way bigger than anything else right so that was always really big with slopestyle, style and i did slope style till about I think I think my last year of Crankworx soul Style was 11 or 12, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. It, it just got to be too much. I mean, at that time, we were able to, you know, with Cedric and myself and Zink and, you know, even Vanderham. Vanderham had a, you know, a taste of World Cups a yeah, few times, yeah. but, you know, along with yourself, but, um, it, it, it was, you guys. But it was, you were able to do it. Yeah. It wasn't so specified. Yeah. You know, you're like, hey, if you're a good bike rider, you're pretty much good at all of them. So we were able to do that. And as time went on, it was more specified, you know, specific on your skill sets, you know, like, you know, with training and so on, and then training both sides, whether it was world cup or tricks, you know, the tricks got harder and then the racers got faster, they got stronger, they got everything. So then it kind of got a little more specific on, you know, what you're able to do. And then who knows what schedule it's it's like damn near impossible to do it nowadays you know there's a couple riders out there would be pretty good at it you know um but yeah it's it's definitely changed but it's uh it's really cool to see you know any riders cross over nowadays which is really cool
1: yeah i you know it's it's the 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 comparison you make could be like how bo jackson did baseball and football you know, that's, it's, there's such two dis- yeah. different disciplines and to get to one level, the commitment, the work, uh, but to compete at both. And, uh, you mentioned, you know, Cedric Garcia, um, Thomas Vanderham, and I think Guy Atherton crossed over in Red Bull. And, uh, I think there's uh, maybe a few names I'm missing, but it's a small percentage. Yeah. My, uh,
0: Boris was like one of Kurt, the first yeah. to ever kind of be like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I you know um, I want to keep moving and keep the flow going, but you know you mentioned how free ride and the the slope style movements and movies and media that you often found yourself trying to get sponsorship based on race results. But looking back at how and, and much of my audience doesn't know what free ride is, but um, you know it's like the you know Wade Simmons and Schley and 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 Tippy came into this scene a bit earlier than you, and it was amazing to the industry that how could these guys make a living not racing? Um, and that that kind of framework, and yet you brought it to the World Cup level, and also maintain that level is just, uh, in slope style is just, just mind-boggling. Um, I'm gonna move on real quick, and uh, we gotta talk about Straight Acres. Love it, love, love love the conversation. Two quick questions right off the bat: How many cowboy hats do you own, and how many fishing poles?
0: Uh, uh, I'm up to four cowboy hats, and I was down for I was down to one for a little bit because my little dog ate three of them, and then (laughs) back up to four. Yeah, unfortunately, it's Rachel's dog, so uh-huh. it's her baby. So oh, there
1: you I, go, not going anywhere. Yeah,
0: and then fishing rod, I'll probably in the 30 range, somewhere around there.
1: I would expect yeah, nothing less. Like Do you get out to fish enough?
0: Yeah, yeah I no, not enough. No way. Dude, yeah. I have probably a few months now. Yeah. Um, it's It's been like I used to fish all the time off of the back of my mom's boat um when i would drop off i drop off my dog when i go to travel and so i would bring a fishing rod or leave a fishing rod on my mom's boat she lives in the san diego harbor and so like my old frank just loves hanging on the back of a boat just sunbathing and shit like that but i would fish while i drop him off at fish and hang out with my mom and then i I'd, I'd have her take me to the airport um so it was, it was always really fun but i haven't been doing it. she's working for amazon now so she works until like 10 p.m and so it's like kind of a different schedule now. So I got to figure out my fishing schedule, my new fishing schedule.
1: <laughs> that's, that's great. There were a couple of Instagram posts. You were on a, a patio boat fishing, just having a good time. And I thought when that guy has spare time, he's at home out there on the water, you know, dropping something in the water. You know, <laughs> that's, that's great stuff. You know, talking about Rachel, oh, yeah. um, you know, speaking of your beautiful wife, Rachel, she too is an amazing athlete and ripper, and I look at you two as kind of uh, one of the big power couples in our sport. Um, and something I have always got to wonder, uh, you know, you know, you and Cam, two two guys I I really admire, and how you've evolved and grown up in the sport and around the sport, and how it's obviously lifestyle, you know, um, but how you guys how do you balance that high level of competitiveness that you're, that Rachel must have to, to achieve what she's achieved and where she's at in her sport and your schedules. Um, I mean, she's an enduro racer if I'm correct. And, um, you ride with her a lot and I try to, I try to ride with my wife, but she hands me my ass every time we go out, but then she has to guide me too. Um, but, but, you know, tell me uh, where did maybe a little bit about you and your romance with that with Rachel. You know, where did you meet? And I did. You know, I'm I'm a little bit sad because I guess my invite got lost in to the wedding. Got lost in the mail.
0: Uh, yeah, I, honestly, I think you just didn't see it.
1: <laughs> well played, my friend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I'm I'm super lucky, and and Rachel's badass. I mean she uh from when we first started dating which we uh you know it's kind of funny we grew up racing all around the same races right we're both from socal um she grew up racing cross country i mean not a lot of people know she was a full cross country racer when she was a junior or as a little kid to through juniors and she raced world cup cross country for a couple for for a year or two uh she went to worlds in oh five like So I mean, yeah, she grew up full cross country, and then she took a huge break. She got burned out, took a huge break, um, finished college, and went to university, studied abroad in Sweden. Um, So she's she's a she's a badass. She's my little smarty. Um, (laughs) But when we started, when we started dating, you know, I was kind of like in a a transition in my life too, where I was like, all right, well, you know, like, is it is it time to hang up? You know, like the professional career is it time to like kick into another gear and do 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 more you know and so when i met her she was you know i I refused to really train and do like trail rides and shit like that i was like nah i don't (laughs) want to do that you know like i don't want to do i just want to do stuff i'm good at so i mean she really pushed me to to being a better bike rider as as whether it's training um so i mean you know just as you're saying i i you know trail ride ride with her a lot nowadays and she pushes me to climb faster and she's like well you don't have the mentality you can do it but you don't have the mentality to get in the pain cave and i'm like you're damn right but at the same time for her she doesn't have a mentality for jumping i mean before we started hanging out she's never hit a jump before now i got her hitting you know 25 30 foot tables and now she's doing their jumps and stuff like that so and drops and so so it's uh it's been easy you know especially with the whole relationship stuff is it's it's easy because she understands like whether I'm in a different country and I'm competing or anything like that and I'm at practice and haven't talked to her in 2 days she understands and vice versa so it actually is a sometimes you think it'd be a strain having double athletes but then it's also kind of like you know it's it makes it easier because we both understand what the other person's going through at the event so it It makes it easy. And then, you know, with training schedules, we can kind of like, for the most part, we kind of go together. I mean, yesterday was like a a good example of like, you know, we went to the, we tried to go to the bike park. Um, We got a new local bike park in San Diego and it's got dirt jumps and pump track and all that, which is really cool. But um, yeah, so they, you know, we went to the pump or went to the, the bike park and then we came to the house, rode some dirt jumps and I did a little training for them you know, technique on flats and then went to BMX Max track afterwards and then the day before that was, was like full I was doing intervals climbing up hills with her which that's her territory. Yeah. And I'm wow. like dying. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm fucking getting murdered here <laughs> <laughs> you know? and I'm like, she's tiny. I'm like, she's tiny and it's like not even close to the same thing, but I like try and do it and it just makes me a better athlete and the same with herself. So um it's it's an awesome relationship and i'm very thankful and it's uh it's been fun man especially with all the stuff we have here at stray acres yeah you know we had a full dil psalm track we have i built her little dirt jumps just to you know teach her and get her comfortable with things and you know then we also have stuff all the way up to like the speed and style line where it's it's legit doubles you know i mean where i can practice and train for speed and style or whatever tricks i might need to learn
1: i just thought uh, it's fishing it's cars it's got you know tractors you do all the work and build on straight acres and you've got a couple of classics or at least one classic rig don't you car wise
0: uh i i just constantly get in trouble i'm up to uh one i'm up to two old trucks and my original classic was is a 69 link continental and i re like literally just within this week i bought another truck and that one's kind of rachel's truck because she doesn't like driving my old 61 apache because it's it's full um manual everything no power steering oh jeez no uh automatic it's not an automatic so she doesn't really like driving it so we got we picked up a newer truck but it's a 68 c20 chevy and it's automatic v8 power steering so she's really stoked on that one
1: just Um, just remember (laughs) go ahead sorry sorry to interrupt go ahead she's
0: oh no you're all good you're all good I got, remember I got that delay on the phone here because I'm running off of the internet it's, here but, it's coming uh, yeah she she, uh, she wanted to she wants to be able to go to the motor track by herself and she's like I can't put it in your big truck and I, I don't know I don't know like she's like think about getting a little Tacoma and I was like how about we just get another sweet truck she, and I, so I could finally convince her and and uh, now that thing's at the shop getting dialed in and uh, yeah she's going to be able to go to the motor truck in a nice 68 truck. So it's cool.
1: Well, you know what? One of the true signs of being a true redneck is, is when you mow your lawn and you find four cars, that kind of thing. So you be careful out there.
0: Exactly, Dude, I love
1: the ride on mower. That'd be awesome. Hey, it's golf carts and a ride along mower. And that's the only two things I get to drive these days. So, um, you know, moving on with straight acres and your development, in your personal life is that, you know, you've, uh, you've had a a, a large um you, uh, census grips who sponsors some of the most rad athletes yep. and you're partnered with a couple of cool people um how's that going i mean it's i get tons of compliments uh about my my grip
0: yeah. <laughs> they're they're sick i mean it's if you think about it it's fully fully from for the riders built by riders i mean with zinc starting that i mean zinc started it in i think maybe 2005 or six somewhere around uh-huh. there um and just with an idea of like hey man i don't like any of these grips and i was like yeah i'm down like we need to make more of a, a comfortable grip for us and so that's how it started and and uh i mean with the prototypes and stuff like that we'd give feedback to zinc and started building the brand and all of that i mean it's it's all zinc's baby you know it's his child but i've always been there with him to help out whatever he you know, with promotion or you know grip design, and and finally this last year we were able to finally make a grip for my size. Oh yeah, you know, for my let, for let, my meaty paws. Right? That's so. how I was.
1: Oh, I was going to give you the hugest plug. I was going to go if you're looking for grips. Yeah, there's two words: oh, meaty no meaty
0: paws.
1: I rock those things. Yeah. And my dick beaters could not be more comfortable. <laughs>
0: Thanks man. It took a while. I mean, I, we had a lot of stuff from, you know, our grips get made by ODI. And uh-huh. Those guys are awesome. I mean, like it was funny cause in the, I, I've had basically my own make makeshift kind of like grips. I've been for, for years I've been making, you know, basically two grips to make one grip to make my own meaty paw. And we finally were able to convince them like, Hey, this thing, whether it sells or doesn't, this is what I want. And we finally made it, and they're like, you know what? We're surprised. It's selling really well. People want it. <laughs> He's like, I don't understand, but they want them. And I'm like, dude, I told you. And so it's cool. I mean, it's it's not just for anyone with big hands, but it's a grip for anyone that has had, you know, wrist injuries Absolutely. or hand, hand injuries. Sensitivity. Or even, or even we, call them, we call them desk paws. You know, people that don't get up, not able to ride desk as much paws. as they want to, and their hands get beat up and, you know, so or 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 uh, I think Ray calls them bitch myths. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> bitch myths. Well, the, one of the comments probably I most heard when people grab a hold of my bars, um, which isn't often enough. Wink, wink. But um, hey, uh, bada bing, bada boom. Um, they they say, wow. Uh, you know, they've got numbness issues. I mean, literally the physiology of how people's hands can respond on a pair of bars. You know, that's been been a, a people have really took took notice of those so good job on that and do you have um you've been with common cell now for a couple of years correct
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, i think we're going five years
1: now yeah is uh what's the uh the, the partnership is there a product development uh, um, aspect of your relationship uh a distributor in norcal or excuse me in the states I, I thought I caught somewhere, somewhere that you had, you know, partnered a little bit deeper than the athlete level. Um, straight me out on that one.
0: Sure. Yeah. We basically, yeah. With commensal they were, they were looking for some brand recognition in the U S and they're like, you know, we're, we're going to be moving to the U S or we're going to be moving, distributing to the U S as well. And we need someone that's going to bring some recognition to our, our product. Right. And so I was like, well, I feel pretty fucking American. So that sounds good to <laughs> yeah, me.
1: You think <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
0: So so I was like, you know what? That sounds like a good partnership. And so we've started with that and as just a solely an athlete and built from there and built a couple of really cool bikes, you know, whether that's my signature song bike we have and um from then on, basically, besides being an athlete, I know um, are, I'm a huge part of the junior development side on the US. So, um, whether the coaching or riding with the kids or selecting. Um, so I, I'm a huge part of that, and obviously with design of frames and geometries and whether it's like a hardtail, a slalom bike, or even all the way to my rampage bike, I could do a lot of testing with those guys. So it's been um, it's been great with them. Um, it's it's you know it's it, they were super close originally when they first started they were only about a 50 minute drive but now they're in Colorado mm-hmm. in Golden and um they have a good crew out there which is right right at the base of the mountains um so it's cool i mean it's been uh it's been fun and i've been stoked to be able to start coaching the the youth and stuff like that i mean like like i had a lot of people to look up to as a kid now hopefully they can uh if they don't think i'm not too cool in this or not cool enough for them in this generation but you know it's cool to coach them and teach them things that i've learned over the years
1: oh i guarantee those kids are cross-eyed knowing that they're they they know who you are and uh the 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 big footprint i was uh joking with uh dan earlier i'm like did you check kyle out because the guy's remarkable he's an amazing athlete and i go but just know this that it's Kyle is the Chuck Norris in real life that when Chuck Kyle sends it, the earth moves. <laughs> when you say earth mover, this is the guy, every, Kyle, every every Chuck Norris joke. You could put your name in there. Um, Hey, you know, uh, one, one topic, uh, kind of, we're, we're getting kind of towards the end, but this is a, this is a big topic that I think a lot of my own audience won't really appreciate, but it's something I, I respect in so many ways. Um, I admire and it's been a big part of our sport Um, and the development of of free ride uh, slope style is the Red Bull Rampage and you know you can't speak about Red Bull Rampage without talking about you and Cam Zink and just the legacy that you two have in that event you've done it every year now and you've won it twice and I've you've been on podiums Um, how old were you when you first stepped into that one
0: yeah so i mean that's that's another thing that kind of comes back to talking with my dad is that like my dad somehow heard about it the first year which would have been 2001 i was 14 and my dad was like hey what do you think about this i was like i don't know dad i do you think i can do drops like i've never done them really you know, besides on a race course or something and he's like well if you don't feel comfortable there's a jump contest afterwards and i was like okay let's go and so we packed her little truck up and drove out you know on a thursday and my dad took friday off and went out there and that was basically the start i mean with the birth of rampage we didn't really know what it what it was going to be i mean there was everyone from world cup racers to little groms like myself to um you know canadian free ride guys that were riding the north shore so and the north shore riding was very new at its time too i mean there'd only been a few select guys that were you know, doing ladder bridges and drops and, you know, uh, technical sections through like roots and stuff like that. So it's, uh it kind of just created itself at that time. I mean, the, the, the promoter Todd Barber was like, Hey, uh, be safe. Let's see what you guys can do. And there wasn't really a whole lot. I mean, there was, you know, guys like Bender out there, Josh Bender that was kind of a pioneer of that area that, you know started doing drops for film segments and we were like oh that guy's crazy like that looks really hard and and you know we basically took what we had an idea of that and tried to see what we could do but i mean it's grown from there and with freeride it wasn't it wasn't known as much and like i said before that we we raced and freeride because you only a lot of only sponsors were only thinking about racing not freeriding so um it's cool nowadays that like, when I sit on a plane with some old lady next to me, she would be like, oh, you mountain bike? And before I was young, it was like, do you wear the spandex or do you <laughs> hop around? Trial. And I'm like, no, I don't really do either one of those. But nowadays, it's like, oh, you mountain bike, do you wear spandex or do you fall off the cliffs?" And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. I fall off the cliff. Yeah, that's me. So it's cool that it's gotten so big um in the fact that you know random people have seen what it is you know they're like oh do you do the thing in utah the red bull and i'm like uh yeah yeah i do that that's me so i mean it's it's gone a long ways and and i'm definitely lucky to be healthy enough to be
1: able to
0: to be able to compete in every single one of them you know from 2001 to current day so it's it's been fun and you know i, I hope to do quite a few more
1: that's that's great to hear it I think I got a signature Kyle Strait T-shirt idea for you. Have have a guy tipping off a big cliff, and then underneath it say, "Yes, Grandma, I'm one of those guys that falls off the cliff." Um, <laughs>
0: right.
1: <laughs> now your bag of tricks, literally your bag of tricks on the bike, huge amplitude, go large, go long. Um, you know, you you have so many remarkable trips, tricks, but. Also, you brought the hugest X up into the sport that is emulated today. You know, the modified table. But that X up turned down, holy shit move. Um, definitely, that is the Kyle Strait that, that so many people went, whoa. As well as so many other tricks years, But also, the huge no-handers that you pull off. And I think one of the first ones was, how big was that, that drop? gap whatever it was that you did at uh, red bull with the hugest no hand or where you first won the first year you won i think how big was that
0: yeah that i've been uh 2004 um yeah i mean that drop was really big it's still even really big to current day standards i mean it's it's always hard to measure the the real drop size of it but i i want to say it was right around seventy-four, seventy 70 from like tip to tip, you know, Jesus. measured diagonally. Um, it was, it was, it's big for this time to current day. I mean, I just saw recently T Mac and um Jackson hitting it. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, currently just right recently and it's still big. And in T Mac, actually, that jump is actually known for sending people way too deep because you think you got to go faster. And T Mac actually rolled an ankle on it which is a bummer and he's, he's getting through that, but, oh, my um, best him. it's, it's still a big jump, man. I mean, yeah. uh, with, with the no hander thing and the, the tables is just something I just enjoy doing. And I think they look sweet. So I just avoid, yeah, they do had that on you know, my, my side. So thank you. But, uh, yeah, with the no handers, it's funny. Cause like, I felt like I could just no hand or anything. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I could no hand or drop. And I think the first <laughs> one I ever no handered was the, was maybe a year or two before that is I started no-handering one of the drops on, on the Canadian bacon line. Oh, no kidding. Um, So it was either, I think it was 2003 is the first one I did. Um, and that kind of started the thing. And and I, for a while, you know, like once it was like 2010 or 12, 2009 or 10, um, I didn't really want to do it anymore because I thought that that was kind of a an older school trick. And I was like, nah, nah I'm not going to really do it anymore. Never. I, was, I was trying to focus on, on other tricks on drops and I think it was the year for the the OK icon sender as I, I wasn't going to do it cuz I'm like god oh, people expect that I I want to surprise and do something else and then I I realized that no one else was tricking it and I was like well hell no handers are easy why does not anyone do it I was like hell fuck it I'll do it so like I just no handed that one and that became like a huge icon image um, with the Oakley center. And then I was like, well, yeah. I can do that on anything. I'll just Keep doing it. And so, you know, especially last year, I was like, "Nah, I can't do it anymore. And I said, you know, I was like, I'll, I'll throw it in there again. You know, I'll just do it again because people just want it so bad. And I'm like, well, I can do it. I could feel comfortable doing it off anything. So it's, and obviously the bigger the jump, the better it is for me because I'm like, <laughs> well, then I could be really lazy about it. Lazy. <laughs>
1: <But>. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to jump off of a 10 story building. Lazy. Yeah. That's, I, I just well, never uh, stopped it, doing that it, trick, it feels dude. A hey, um, now, but but that developed into like the no hand sui, and I mean this is language that many of my listeners won't understand. But you know the tricks that have evolved off of that move is being used in moto, and obviously in every bike park and every rider who shows up in Whistler, man, I'm doing a big no-hander. I'm going to be, a, I'm going to do a big X-up. I mean, I do. I'm going to X it up like Kyle Strait. I try that off curbs and I'm afraid. <laughs>
0: um, it's, I, fun. it's a fun trick, man. I mean, that's For fun. the most part, it's, it's kind of an easy trick because it's, it it uh, it uh gets people's eyes like, right? Because they're like, wait a minute, you're taking your hands off. But it's actually not the heart of a trick. I mean, I've taught countless amount of people how to do it and it it basically all it has to do with being able to drop your heels and pinch the seat and start basically stepping your hand back um but over time it just it gets easy and it gets kind of like oh okay i can just do this wherever but it's fun
1: oh you make it you make it look fun speaking of fun rocking the bear suit on the podium where did that come from what inspired (laughs) you you mentioned something about halloween and that's my favorite holiday but the bear suit at oh, yeah. such Same. an intense event. Same here, you know. Um...
0: Uh, yeah. So that, that year, the 2004 years, it actually fell on Halloween. I think Halloween was on a Saturday, so I just decided I was like, "Well, it's Halloween. I gotta have a costume because I love Halloween." And I told my mom, I said, "Hey, mom, like, I want a bear, a full bear costume." And she's, like, okay. and no, you know, her personality is like, "I'm gonna eat this sick as bear costume." So she did, and it was a um full on like crazy costume with like one of those giant heads and everything um and i had two different heads i wore one on the podium that was massive and you couldn't really see with me took that off and then later on at the after party i wore like this one that was like a it was like a hood with ears on it (laughs) but it had a cut out for your face and so you could see my face but you could also tell i had ears on it and there's a couple photos of me um at that party and man they're like hey you were so wasted i was like no i was overheating and dehydrated because i didn't even (laughs) drink at the time well (laughs) i was like no dude i was dehydrated
1: (laughs) that bear suit motivates me today because at halloween you know i've got a five-year-old and she runs me but halloween i go as a care bear yep i have a custom care bear blue and i think of you every time i strap it on (laughs) hey um
0: send me a photo
1: oh absolutely pal now, you know, carrying on with talking about Red Bull, could you speak to the audience that are not aware of or ever seen what the Rampal, Ram, Red Bull Rampage is? And could you describe it, both from what you do on the hill, but also dropping in? You know, I like to share the videos of anybody you know i I, i'm such a fan of the sport and when i put my nose on something and love it i'm going to share it on my social media pages and a lot of my followers a lot of my friends they don't know what that is and they just come away going holy shit you know so talk about what it is in terms of the terrain um and then also from your perspective when you look over the edge like this year what do you you know other I am I guess I'm... No problem. Yeah, I am I guess I'm asking, describe it to someone who would never understand. Like, okay, I got to focus. I got to work on my lines that I've practiced. You know, um, there's... Y- use some uh, layman language. <laughs>
0: uh, I'll do my best. Yes. If you hear something that's like...
1: No. Nope. You
0: know, like a, a mountain bike term, just pull me out and I'll explain it's it. It's all good. This so, is perfect. what I would say is... Uh, Rebel Rampage is a contest, a judged event that is based in Utah. That happens once a year now. Um, it's about forty minutes uh, from St. George, almost close to the Zion National Park, in an area called Virgin Utah. It Started in two thousand one, and uh, it started in two thousand one. And basically, is they gave us an area of ridgelines that. So they they gave us like they put flags in between a few different ridges, right? Yeah. And we can go anywhere in those few in those ridge lines. Um, we can we build our own courses. We ride our own things. We test it ourselves, and we get about four days to build it, and then we get three days of practice, and the event is on a Friday. Um, so in between those days, we're building all these things, and if you can try and think of like one of those scenic Zion national park photos, it's basically that, but we ride down it. Um, it's cliffs, ridgelines, um, drops, canyons, all of that. Um, and we basically find our best way down that we can figure out while we're, while we're going down that we're building huge landings. We're building jumps in between, building jumps over canyons that we have to go over, or whatever it may be. And then we're trying to do our best we can. So we're doing tricks, We're trying to look stylish, we're trying to go fast, all that in between. And at the end of the day, we're getting judged on how we rode those lines.
1: Awesome. Parachutes are optional. And to those wondering when he says steep and gaps, we are talking gaps, huge. And that steepness uh, to someone who picked the steepest stairwell, staircase, set of stairs outside that you've ever seen and double or triple the steepness. On bikes, by the way. <laughs>
0: so and with steepness, right, like the, the things we can ride down there, we can't stand on. We physically can't stand on it. It's too steep to where you just slide down it. Um, it's impossible. So when we're building it, we have to build a little shelf for us to be able to kind of manicure and, and fill in holes that we can ride it down so we can ride down it. Um, so it's so steep that it's you can't even stand there. Um, and it's like, basically we're building landings the size of houses or, you know, buildings. Um, so, and all of that stuff is built by hand. Um, and we get two, two helper diggers with us. And then at the same time, if we join, um, you know, like myself and Cam always kind of join together and build a line together. So then, then that kind of doubles our productivity on having extra people to help and dig um, we get a little water nowadays, which is cool. Um, so then we'll kind of mix and mix water and dirt together and it becomes a, sort of like a concrete, right? So we can fill in holes, build takeoffs to jump those can gaps. And to give you an idea on the size of them, um, I mean, think of like, or I think of like a light pole. I think those are 30 feet tall, you know, just a regular yeah. street light. Yeah. Uh, I think those are about 30 feet tall. So most of our drops within, 30 feet and above that. So if you can go outside and look at your street light, it's above that. And then plus, I mean, you're adding your distance as well. So the crazy thing about doing those drops is that there's no one besides us that can do them. So there's also no one else that can do them that we have to guinea pig them, guinea pigging meaning like we have to jump first. So obviously it's a very educated guess over experience, but at the same time, those are the most nerve wracking days. I mean, before the event, I sleep just fine right before the event, but the <laughs> night before, before guinea pigging those, those drops, I don't get, I get shit for sleep, dude. I can't, you know, those are my most stressful days is, is testing those things out. But, um, it's a fun event and it's, it's really scary, but yeah, look it up sometime. YouTube it. I'm sure you can find it anywhere.
1: Absolutely. You YouTube it and and Google Kyle straight, you know, check the guy out. He's amazing. And, you know, moving on with this conversation, um, you know uh there's a there's there's a discussion uh, it seems like every year you know uh, with athletes and those that don't know the public that watches it and has their own opinions of it. but there's a risk, there's a ex- level of exposure uh, that's I- incomprehensible, and then there's the compensation, inevitably the conversation about what Red Bull provides, um, the value to Red Bull, the value to the sport. Um, you know, the value of Rampage to this sport and the value to the athlete. But in context, what, there's 20 guys that are invited? Or 40?
0: 21. 21 um, for a couple of years, there was 40. But yeah, I mean, with Rampage, there's a few few dark years of, of uh, you know, taking care of the athletes. You know, we build everything. We ride everything. And for a few years, like in those dark years, they were really not respecting the athletes. Um, you know, we didn't really have a say for anything, whether it was like course building or, you know, we weren't taken care of in and, uh, catering type stuff. I mean, out of pocket every year, there was three grand out of my pocket just wow. to be there. And, and whether that was cause we we're there for two weeks. So, I mean, whether that was you know my accommodations food taking care of my diggers all of that my expenses to be there to get there and i'm obviously only i'm like a seven hour drive so that's not even including the guys that were you know flying from the, from europe or from you know wherever just to be at the event so we had a big sit down with them and there was there was uh you know some heated talks and stuff like that but nowadays we, we've got it pretty dialed and we're pretty well taken care of nowadays. Uh, it's nowhere near what you would expect for such an extreme athlete to make off of it. Yeah. Um, we're getting better. We're nowhere near any anywhere like NFL or anything like that. But it's kind of crazy to see. You know, we're always pushing to um, be more supported. Uh, but it's like if you look at our, um, our track record on views and how well-known the, the event is, um, we're up above Supercross uh, on view counts. I yeah, mean, just for yeah. a one day event, we have more views than the whole Supercross series, a 17 race series on, online. So,
1: well, the reruns. It's, it's pretty wild.
0: I think it's, yeah, reruns and then the NBC and Fox, yeah. and all, all of the mainstream TV and it's, then what people see after and all the clips. It's, it's well, pretty it big. far
1: exceeds Supercross or any other you know, two-wheeled sport, Baja. I mean, it, it, it surpasses a lot of other, you know, domestic sports. But uh, you and you and Cam um, were leaders in that conversation. And, uh, you know, I, I, I won't be shy and say I was very proud of the voices you guys carried and the reasonableness of what you were asking. And, you know, I'm going to salute Red Bull, too. Um, whether you like Red Bull or not, that's not what I'm here to debate. And it's another com- conversation, but... You know, they're a promotion company that has allowed, ha, that has put you guys rightly so in the limelight that otherwise wouldn't be there in, in, in many instances. And, you know, that everybody was able to come to the table. No one's going to stop you guys from sending it. There, there would be no yeah. TVs, you know, no cameras. And you guys, because that's who you are, would still push those limits and i think that's yeah, part so of what people so don't get stage. it yeah it's just super rad and yeah. you know um moving moving past red bull conversation you know um i wanted to touch briefly i've got about in closing uh we've got a few minutes uh kyle and i can't thank you enough um again everyone i'm talking to the one and only kyle strait legend doesn't do the guy justice he's just a great guy who's uh spent a lot of time um with me at events, just chatting, laughing mostly, and someone I've admired. Um, But in closing, you know, I've got a couple of questions, but before I get there, let's talk about how social media and its evolution has helped with, you know, athletes in that extreme sport realm, whether it's extreme skier or skaters, bike riders, guys who jump out of airplanes, whatever the case that when the golden era of free riding was captured by the new World Disorder Crew and Bjorn Inga with the Cranked Series. You know, there were amazing athletes just pushing the envelope. Fast forward today, there's great media outlets. Everybody has a channel. Everybody's a filmmaker. Everybody's a producer. But those epic movies of the one hour, you know, that you guys got to showcase um, that would go on, you know, that are still you can find. Um, the, the sport, our sport of cycling, no matter if you're cross-country or otherwise, just the accessibility to athletes, the uh, gear and tech and conversations. You know, every day you put up some epic picture of you. Oh, yeah, this is my backyard. You know, um, what's your thoughts on that, you know, in terms of filmmaking and how it helped you evolve and how it's affecting the sport? The, the GoPro move. Uh, it's
0: it's funny You'll be, you'll be surprised, but funny enough, I feel like a told dinosaur.
1: You it's too. not my,
0: it's not my, yeah, it's not my favorite thing. You know, like, like what you're saying, as I grew up with, you know, one film segment where I spent, you know, months throughout the year building my couple minute part. And then with the GoPro movement and edit movement and stuff where people wanted instant satisf- satisfaction, um, and so, you know, you start doing edits and stuff like that. And so I'd get hired from, you know, my bike sponsors to do edits and stuff like that. And it kind of makes me sad because they, you know, those are basically like time capsules As those edit or the, the new world disorder film segments are like time capsules and they don't go away because they're, they're hard copies. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. But yeah, then yeah. when all
0: these edits are coming out, you know, nowadays it's like, if you look on pink bike or something like that, it's so flooded with just content and then it just, people watch it once and then it goes away and it disappears into the internet. And sometimes it comes back, but most of the time it just goes away and just, you know, disappears, disintegrates. So, I mean, for me, I, I enjoy, you know, making something that's going to last forever. Um, and so for me, it's hard. It, it's hard when like, you know, people always want to see like content, content, content every single day. And you're like, all right, well now this is becomes like an extra job, which is like, all right, well, I want to show people what I'm doing. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm actually doing it right now. So I'm like, I forget all the time. I get yelled at by racer. She's like, you need to post something about this. And I'm like, yeah, but I was in the moment. I was actually doing it. That's I wasn't right. really thinking about in the moment sharing, sharing this moment. So, yeah. So I, I, I struggle with it honestly, and I'm, I'm I try and work to be better at it because that is part of my job these days. Yeah. But you know, I still struggle at it. But it's it's a uh, it's really the different generations. I mean, I see a lot of kids before is they're like, Well, how do I get sponsored? And they're like, I'm like, Well, this is you got to do this race, you gotta do this race. So in, in those terms it's actually easier for kids to be recon, uh recognized nowadays because there is that instant um picture thing, get shared by other people, all of that kind of process which makes it easier, but then at the same time it's kind of flooded in that same way. You know, and then you have every Joe Blow out there that's like I should be sponsored. Look at my views. So there's that yeah. kind of double-edged yeah. sword, double-edged sword of how social media works, you know? So, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm in, in, indifferent about it, but at the same time, I think it's a useful tool to be able to, uh, you know, build my brand and, and uh, be seen out there.
1: I think that's one of the most insightful uh, answers on that topic. I've, I've ever heard me in a conversation with beer drinking buddies or riders is, It's the, it's the, is it, is it, is it it a job? You know, is it my obligation or is it because man, I want to share that you mentioned, you know, when someone asks, no, I'm sharing, I'm doing it, I'm living it. And that, Oh, you need to record it and, and, and show everybody. And then it comes that, Oh gosh, you know, I got to set it up or stage it, you know, the, the spontaneity. And just my view on it is that I'm a slow ass climber, but I love to pedal. And the only reason I pedal is to get to the top and go downhill So you get up there and everybody waits around and I'm with good friends of mine and I love them all. Anybody that goes ride with me, they're investing time in me that they otherwise wouldn't be doing something on their own. But fuck all, everybody's adjusting their Garmin, getting their GoPro out, sighting (laughs) it in. They got to get their uh, e-bike motor dialed in. I, you know, it's just, there's any number of things that let's just roll. Let's, you know, moments, capture those moments and keep them in our head and our hearts and, I think you expressed that extremely well there. That was that was awesome. Hey, got a couple. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm definitely. Go ahead, yep, man. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: No, no, no. It's all you, pal. This is for I,
0: you. I'm I'm definitely living in the moment. Like, I'm not a planner. I get yelled about about that all the time. You too. I live in the moment. I'm like, oh, what's next? And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do this now.
1: Yeah.
0: And then I'll get. I'm like, no, we're supposed to go to dinner. Oh shit. Okay. But no, I mean. <laughs> i I, i'm the same you know i have kids come up here all the time and the first thing they want to do is they ride and then they're like oh i want to film this section can i film it i'm like yeah you can but do you need to and then constantly it's happened multiple times here where they'll they'll ride perfect and you know whether it's doubling a little section or hitting a on one of the slum berms fast that they always blow it they're (laughs) like so focused on trying to look cool on instagram and Show their homies what they're doing That they blow up every time And I've had two kids now Wreck themselves Just like Oh Riding perfect And then the camera comes out And then they blow it And I'm like Dude you guys Like you gotta put your focus On the whole time I mean not when you're trying To show your homies But You know I I don't mind when people Are following me around With cameras and shit like that Because then I just do me But then for The the hard part for me Is actually Doing it myself I'm like Well I don't want to take a picture of myself I'm like I'm doing shit I want to do right now. I don't want to do that. <laughs> so, oh, and it's kind of funny.
1: It's just everybody take their fucking phones out. I got to Instagram. I got to put this up. I got to put this up. I'm like, God, leave it as a memory. Do it later. You know, hang, hang uh, on to this, man. Is
0: telling a story?
1: It is. It how is. much
0: cooler is telling a story than than just like, oh well, yeah, I already saw that on Instagram. You posted it. Well, it's miss- like, it's so much cooler to tell a story it about it.
1: Well, we're sharing that. We are. We're doing that. We're telling the story tonight today. And, uh, we're going to share a lot more. Um, I've got a few quick questions that, and I say quick and that they're just, you know, topical and just a short answer is cool as we get out of here. Um, and then, uh, if you have any questions for me at the end or, uh, thoughts that please share them because this is about you, Mr. Strait. And I'm so thankful for having okay. you here. And honestly, Rachel and Heidi would get along well because I don't plan shit and Heidi's like <laughs> filling my calendar with stuff and it surprises me even though I looked at it 10 times whoa that's today <laughs> um so uh first question you know what a, do you have a few thoughts on the current state of the sport we love you know MTB whether it's a uh, free ride or slope style um just you know how things are progressing in the sport and you know we have a lot of younger athletes you uh I think you're arguably the first young gun to come up like you did. And, you know, you've got the Finn Isles, you've got the Jackson Goldstones, and dozens of more athletes I'm not aware of that started early in their teens. You know, just a few thoughts of where they're at, the Groms coming up, and, you know, how you feel about getting out every day and riding your bike.
0: For sure. Yeah, I mean, I see, you know, just as when I was a Grom and started young, you know, what I learned as a kid... And what I thought was normal that took the current pros years to accomplish or to learn, whether it was tricks or skill level, skill set, anything like that, it took me, you know, months or a week to figure out. And it's funny that, you know, like at that time, there was a lot of pros like, man, that took me forever to figure out. But then it just became normal to me. I was like, oh, everyone does it, so I'm doing it. And you learn so much faster because it's already laid out. Of how to do it and, and that it is possible. So I see the same thing happening to myself as where I'm like, you know, what they, what current free ride kids are like, oh, that's easy. Everyone does that. You know, they've been doing it forever. It's already possible. What the unknown was is now possible and happens all the time, whether that's a 360 off a cliff, a suicide, anything like that. So as generations go on, I see just progression constantly, which is awesome. Um, and it's very, you know, makes me feel very proud to be part of that progression and to do, uh, I mean, be someone's idol or to, you know, just even have fun on the bike. But yeah, I think mountain bikes are going good. And I think the added, you know, genre of trail bikes is huge. I mean, now before, when you had to have three different bikes to go ride some specific, I mean, you had your downhill bike, your hardtail, your, you're slowing back, your, like, your cross country bike, like road golf,
1: bike. right? You got a quiver.
0: <laughs> yeah, now you just have one, and it's understandable. Now you can just have one, and the bikes are fun. I mean, I didn't really trail ride before because the bikes weren't fun. Now they're bitching, so it's like, oh, okay, I'm I'm into this, you know. And they make it so much accessible and easy. Um, and then obviously, obviously, with added e-bikes, I mean, think of like there's a lot of people that are against them, but most of the people haven't rid one. Um, and then at the same time, you're getting all those extra people on bicycles that wouldn't be riding before, whether they're overweight or they don't have enough time. You know, they have a select amount of time in the day. They only get an hour, but they can ride two hours worth of riding or an hour and a half worth of riding because of their speed on the e-bike. You know, I'm I'm uh, super keen. I'm super stoked on them. I mean, there's all, I'm getting on rides that Rachel would go usually on like a two-hour you know, pain ride. And I'd be like, no, have fun. See you later. I'm going to weed whack the yard. You know, I'd rather do that (laughs) than go with her. But nowadays I'm going, (laughs) I'm I'm going with her because I'm like, you know, I don't take the e-bike and I'm still going to have just as much fun because I'm out there still. And I'm getting more ride time and I'm getting, you know, more exercise or more just time on the downhills because I'm out there more. Um, So I'm a big fan.
1: That's great stuff. Yeah. My vision for my e-bike, I love to pedal. I do, Um, but my vision is is that I can't get a driver's license and no one's going to sell me a motorcycle, so why don't we work on a project where figure out, you know, with Santa Cruz to develop a big motored e-bike for me and I'll use it like a moto, you know, and yeah, and we'll go to, you know, like a moto track. (laughs) Just full throttle. You come to Straight Acres, we'll
0: put you on a moto. I will be
1: there. We're making a date, pal. I've it's well, it's on my you know bucket list. Hey, man, you just covered a couple of things that I had written down about tech and e-bikes, and just that comment about the bikes being so much fun and so versatile is just covers uh, just my thoughts on the sport and why I love bikes. And how about the future? Uh, any thoughts on what the future of bikes are going to hold?
0: Uh, there's going to be a lot of bikes and shit like that, which is, I'm a, I'm fine with it. I'm okay with it. Um, you know, just like any other sport, there's always a lot of gimmicks and shit like that. But at the same time, I think we're going in a good direction. And hopefully, soon enough, we'll be able to get bike prices back down again. I mean, I know uh, Consumer Direct, like Commental and stuff mm-hmm. like that, is able to get bike prices affordable, um, you know, so that's good. And then, cause, because the more people that are able to afford bikes, the more people are going to ride them. And that's what I'm into. And then at the same time, people, a lot of people will complain about, Hey, I don't want more people riding bikes. There's not enough trails, but at the same time, there's, if there's more want for trails and stuff like that, then we get more support from counties and city parks and all of that. And we get more short ride. You know, I mean, we just had that bike park open because there was a want for more riding space. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I think it's, I think more people riding, awesome. You know, I'm all about agreed.
1: it. Agreed, agreed. Hey, okay, uh, last question before we kiss, kiss goodbye. Um, where, where's Kyle going to be in? Where's Kyle going to be in ten years?
0: Yeah, I'll be private truck. Actually, I wanted to do a, uh, a shirt where I'm fishing out of the back of one of my old but I'm floating in the ocean in a truck. <laughs> Picture that one. I absolutely no, I don't got, know. So I got me, a vivid. For me, I'm Yeah, I just think that that's like my redneck image right there. I'm like, "Oh, yeah, that's me." Uh, you know, for me, I'm I'm so ingrained with the bike community and and sponsors and and all of that. Been working in the marketing side it's all of that would be super easy. And then I, how much, how many years I've been coaching for eight, seven, seven or eight years now. Um, So, I mean, a lot of it for me is, as I I like and enjoy coaching. So I know that that'll be a big part of me. And then, um, you know, you never know with what's going to come up soon. Uh, I got a few things in my back pocket on, you know, working with uh, specifically with SRAM or with commensal or someone like that, that, you know, I mean, I know that I'll always be part of the bike industry and uh, enjoy coaching, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you never know, right? Yeah. I always no. think that this could be the last year, but shit, I mean, things keep keep uh, working out, so I'm enjoying riding my bike and traveling the world and uh, trying to teach people things.
1: I love it, man. That's, hey, that's a theme for me. I You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but <laughs> if it does, I'm going to have fun doing it. Hey, uh, I just That's right. Kyle, thank you so much. Um hoping I'm going to get up to uh Crankworks this year. I know I hope I will see you at uh Sea Otter. Uh That's right. you always make the annual as I do. And maybe at Sea Otter or Crankworks you and I can get out and do a lap together and get some sunburned teeth from smiling too much. Um any any last thoughts, Kyle, or questions before I sign us off here?
0: Um no thanks again thanks again for having me dude i love talking to you and and chatting about shit but um you know you you always want me to go go in front of you and guide you but i'm still terrified i'm like shit now i got now i got bobby's hands life <laughs> in my hands i'm like all right shit. but you know one day we're gonna do it i'm just gonna be like probably a little hungover and you're gonna yell at me but i think we'll, it'll be fun
1: what do you think i ride sober <laughs> only kidding but I just always remember it's my choice and to have someone to have you on the front like a handful of others that makes me a better rider the confidence that I'm gonna have a conversation riding downhill and you're gonna put me where I need to be just like in this conversation today you put me where I needed to be mr. Kyle straight thank you pal and um, you know I just uh, again thank Rachel and uh, good luck to you guys this year. And hey, thank you to my audience for tuning in. And uh, once again, I want to thank uh, my longtime sponsors: Santa Cruz Bikes, Cali Protectives, Crank Brothers, WTB, Lazine, Cliff, um, 22 Alchemy, and, uh, 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 and everybody who tunes in every day. And go check Kyle out. If you have questions for me, um, send me an email, rideblindracing at gmail. If you have questions suggestions, comments about the show. Hey, I'm open. I want to be this is for you. This is for my guest. This is for the audience. So I want to continue to get better. Check me out on social media. Check Kyle out on social media. And uh you guys have a great day. Until next time. This is the way Bobby Hears It and I'm Bobby McMullen and once again, Mr. Kyle Strait. Thank you.
0: Thanks for having me.